Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Seth Meyers is the author of the children's book, I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. In case you don't know him, he is the one and only Seth Meyers, the Emmy award-winning writer and comedian, best known for his work on Late Night with Seth Meyers, and formerly as head writer on Saturday Night Live. He's hoping his children like this book because none of them can stay up late enough to watch his show. Welcome, Seth. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a joy. And by the way, so great that we have the same editor, Margaret Anastas, who I adore. I'm doing a children's book with her too, so she's the best. She is so wonderful. And this is the first time I have ever worked with a book editor in any way. And what a delight they are and how helpful they are with their small suggestions that make huge differences. Totally. I know. I was like, Margaret, I feel like you need your name on my cover. Like you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but she's like, no, no, this is what an editor does. I'm like, okay, great. 
Perfect. Okay, I'm not scared, you're scared. Your first picture book, super exciting. It's essentially about a bear with like an anxiety disorder almost who's like doing everything he can to get past his fears. If I could just show this, my favorite page of this book, is that okay? Bear stopped to make sure, this is when they're going on their first adventure or trying to. Bear stopped to make sure they had everything they needed. Do I need a bike helmet, Bear asked? No, said Rabbit. Do I need oven mitts? No, said Rabbit. Do I need bear repellent spray? You're a bear, said Rabbit. Oh my gosh, perfect. Hilarious. Thank you. And what a wonderful thing it is to work with an artist who understands that you need to be able to see a can of bear repellent that will read to children. That is so, it's amazing, you know, and obviously uh, I don't have to tell you this, but you learn so much about writing picture books from reading picture books. And you can't say a thing that they then can't see. Yes, absolutely. And the bear repellent spray is perfect. Great illustration. (laughs) So you do a million things. Why why a picture book? Why did you decide to do this? Well, Mike, of the million things I do, my kids aren't engaging with any of it. Uh, They cannot (laughs) stay up late enough to watch my show. (laughs) They're not not particularly interested in my stand-up work yet. But it really is just, I love reading books to them. I love how it's introducing them to the world of reading and, and what it shows me about their imaginations. And so no small part of it was probably my own ego wanting to jump into the fray and see how I can measure up against the, the, the monsters of children's literature that I'm up against. But it, it was really fun. It was a fun process and a different process. It was completely unique to other writing I'd done. And so there were a lot of reasons, but mostly it's just fun to hold a book that you worked on and be able to read it to your kids. And so what do they think? Are they tough critics? They like it a lot. They are tough critics. They were very helpful in the early stages of this book, especially because it is a book about fear. And it's also about how fear isn't always a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you want your kids to be afraid of things that are actually dangerous. Yep. And fear can be a guide. And at the same time, though, I didn't want the book to be so scary that kids wouldn't want to read it. And so that was the part they were helpful with early on. I would tell them the story before I I wrote it all down. And they were great there. Now, sadly, their favorite part of the book is the dedication page where I, I dedicated it to them. They just like pointing out their names to people. I guess they got there. I guess they inherited their ego from me. <laughs> <laughs> So you're smart. I dedicated my book that's coming out just to one of my four kids. And I was- Oh my gosh. I know. It was such a mom mistake. I can't even, I'm like mortified, but it was kind of based on her. So now they've made me promise. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get four books out of this. <laughs> I I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to flex here, but I was so the opposite of you. I, we had a baby coming. We had a baby on the way and Margaret was asking me for my dedication and I I wanted to wait until our baby girl was born Aww. before I even because I was like this will come back to haunt me. I don't want some teenage girl yelling at me, you know, on the on the eve of her bat mitzvah. How I ruined everything by that. You know. <laughs> yeah, you're you're much smarter than I was. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Congratulations lesson learned, yeah. on your baby, by the way. Um, so exciting. Mm, thank you. I read somewhere that your second baby was born in your lobby. Is that true? Yes, I I actually did a a Netflix special called Lobby Baby. And it is really fun because if I'm walking in the park, every now and then a person will say, will point at my kid and say, is that Lobby Baby? And he's very proud of the fact that he was born in the lobby. And so are the doormen. They they have a special level of ownership over him that I feel like they don't have on the other kids. Oh, wow. 
I'm sorry, I didn't realize Lobby Baby was based on the baby in the lobby. <laughs> yeah, no. so that would have been a huge coincidence. I'm sorry, I didn't even, I, you know, okay. You know. Yeah, I did a special I'm called sorry. Lobby Baby and yeah. then the most amazing thing happened. I know, okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is when you don't prepare enough and don't watch the special, but anyway. I don't, the fact that you can prepare it all with four kids, like, God bless. <laughs> you've, you've got the book title right and that's all that matters. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was great. On your Instagram, you often highlight books that you love, which is wonderful. Yes. You must be a huge reader. I'm a huge reader. And you had this one when you were talking about All the Light You Cannot See, I think Anthony Doris book, which was so good. And you said, okay. if you've never read this book, now is a great time, not just because it's wonderful, but because there are a lot of short chapters. So if you're a parent thinking, how the hell am I supposed to read a book with everything else going on? Just know if you can find 10 minutes, you're banging out a chapter, maybe two, depending on how fast a reader you are. But really, it's wonderful. And remember, most local local bookstores will deliver and they need your business now more than ever. <laughs> yes. In the early days of the pandemic, especially, I took it upon myself to recommend as many books as I could. And, you know, I, I hosted the Pen America Awards last night. And one of the things I talked about was how it was such a good... The last two years really, uh, I think, showed everybody the value of books and how nice it was in a time where we were so separated from other human beings to remember that a lot of human beings had poured themselves into the pages of these books and, and you could feel the human connection even if you were just sitting alone and reading them. It's so true. I feel like, by the way, you're hosting every event I'm going to in the next couple of months for yeah. every literary, any, anything. I'm like, Seth Meyers here, here, he's everywhere. It's crazy. I think once they, <laughs> they smelled blood in the water. Once they realized that had a book coming out. I mean, they just went. They, I, it was. I'm very, I'm very bad at saying no, but I, I do enjoy. Uh, it, last night was a wonderful event, and, and I, I know I do have one coming up in March as well. Is it poets and something? Poets, poets and writers. Yeah. So. so I'm excited about that as well. I'm glad to be there. So, what types of books are you reading now? Like, what have you read lately that's great? Or the last thing I read that I loved, and I've done this before when a adaptation, when a film or television adaptation is coming out about a book that I haven't read, I, I realize. If I don't read it now, I'll just cave and watch the TV show and then never read it. And so I read Station Eleven, which had been recommended to me a fair bit during the pandemic. But I don't know if you've read it. It's about a pandemic. And so people, the pitch was, this was written before COVID, but it's a really good, and I just thought, I can't do it. I can't read it. And, and then it turned out to be the kind of book that everybody said it was, which was incredibly hopeful and optimistic, despite the fact that it happened during a pandemic. And so knowing that the HBO adaptation was coming out, I, I read that and it was just wonderful. And then I got her new book. I don't know how new it is, The Glass Hotel, which is next on the list. I have been hearing from everybody about Station Eleven. I have to read this book. I, you're like the 20th person lately. I have to. Yeah, have to. it's funny like how... I, it's, I, you know, I've had books recommended to me over the years that I haven't liked, but it's very rare that I've had a book recommended by 20 people that I, I have that <laughs> And I don't know why I fight those sometimes the hardest, as if I'm so unique. It's like, no, you all like it, but you don't get me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, when you were talking about, I think, Celeste Ng's book or something, yeah, I think it was that one. In Instagram also, you said, for those of you who want to like lord it over everybody else that you've read it before it comes out, you have five days. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important. I think that nothing's more fun when a TV shows out and people are talking about it to say, yeah, the book did it a little differently. <laughs> I mean, what, what are we reading for if not to lord it over the TV people? Totally. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should just keep running lists of hurry up and read these movies. Yeah, there should be. I think it's really important. This is this shows a real snobbery. You also you want to buy a book before it has the mention of the movie or the film on the cover. Mm. You know how yes. you know how yeah. the, where it's like soon to be an upcoming major motion picture. Yep. You gotta you gotta buy the version before that. Yeah. You gotta show people you were present at creation. If you could get the galley, you would just win everything. Mm. The galley. I mean, see, these are the, the holy sort of things. Grail. Now that now that you and I are, you know, published children's authors, we know all the terms. <laughs> I will say the I, I'm talking about my book. The the thing that's the hardest for me still to say, and again, it's what Margaret calls it. So I always have to stress to people: this isn't a word I chose to use, which is manuscript. Mm. It's just very funny when you write a picture book to call. I, I don't. Manuscript just seems like a heavier piece of writing than what I did. <laughs> Yeah, my my 13 words on a page or something. Yeah, exactly. Is a heavy-duty manuscript. So I was reading about, you, you had mentioned <laughs> jokingly about mitzvah coming up or something. And I wanted to know a little more about, and you don't have to talk about it if you don't want, but your your wife's Holocaust history is, because I'm really interested in all of that. I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I you know, I only regret that I wasn't lucky enough to meet her grandparents. They had both passed when... I first met her, which is almost 15 years ago now, I think. But yeah, both of her parents, both of her grandparents, excuse me, on her mother's side uh, were Holocaust survivors. Her her grandfather was briefly a Schindler Jew who worked in oh, wow. uh, one of his factories. And they met at a refugee camp after the war and just connected there and then lived this really full life as survivors, you know, it was always a huge part of their life, but they, you know, they lived in Boston and then they found their way to New Mexico, which is where both of their daughters and son had relocated. And we're just a part of this really vibrant Jewish community there. And, and when I go to New Mexico, it's amazing how many lives they touched. And yeah, it's really special. And I grew up with everyone assuming that I'm Jewish because, um, which I never blame them because it's a very Jewish name. And I do have a great, great grandfather on my father's side, but I have a real appreciation for it and a real enthusiasm for the fact that we're going to, you know, raise our kids as Jewish because it's obviously meant so much to, you know, my wife's entire family history. Wow. All these stories of people finding each other in refugee camps, it's always so unlikely. It's so unlikely that anyone finds each other, that we are all even here, that it just blows my mind constantly. So. The other crazy thing is how, and I won't get the details of these stories right, but over the years, just because of doing research, they found cousins. Because, you know, second cousins all of a sudden become like, you know, twin brothers when you've lost everyone. Right. Like any family becomes deeply close. And so they have this very wide net of family that they've met over the years just from doing digging and and going through genealogy and going through old papers. And I find that to be an incredible celebration of family when, you know, obviously I love my family very dearly, but I never had to go and find them. Mm -hmm. And they have so many people in their lives that they put the work in as adults to go and find and now have these deeply close relationships too. So it's really a cool thing to be a part of. Wow. There's some I wish I'd never found. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or some I could, you know, yeah, lose somewhere. Some I could lose, yeah. <laughs> just take them and say we're going to go upstate to go apple picking and then just like yeah, like, wait for them to get out of the car and <laughs> drive back to the city. <laughs> oh. 
take up strangers, you know, yeah. put somebody else in who might want to ride right. to the city or something. Amazing. And you're doing an event with Judy Bloom, who's like a total icon in the space. Yeah. Are you excited for that? I am. I was lucky enough to have her on this show once, and that was a thrill in its own right. I think Judy Bloom was the first author that where I appreciated they could write more than one book. Mm-hmm. And there was a, there were more Judy Bloom books. As a kid, I remember loving them, and I think there was a, I think there was a book called Super Fudge, which there was. was maybe is that a sequel to Tales of Fourth Grade Nothing? I'm trying to get the. I know they're connected somehow, but I remember the idea that there was a second book with the same characters was so exciting. When you know whatever age librarian told me that, and. And what a lovely, again, as a kid, and I'm really close to my parents and I'm really close to my brother and I love doing things with all of them, but that solitary experience of reading, I found such solace in. And I just remember like, oh yeah, you were one of the first people I hung out with, Judy Bloom. Just me, you, and your book. (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Were you a big reader as a kid? I was a big reader as a kid. And by the way, I'm so happy I did this, especially since you've read back a few of my Instagram posts verbatim. But when (laughs) I was posting about doing this event with Judy Bloom, I had so many terrible first drafts that were along the lines of, are you there, God? It's me, Seth. Thanks for making my (laughs) dreams come true and having Judy... So, that. You yeah, no, right. It's fine. But I wouldn't have, I would not have enjoyed you being like, I'm going to read you your duty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a really big reader as a kid. I love to read and I felt great, a great sense of accomplishment whenever I finished a book. And I had a weird, I read, my mom really loves literature. She loves books. She loves novels. And so she would suggest them every now and then. My dad loved spy novels and police novels. And so I would sort of swing back and forth between, you know, the kind of books that my mom loved reading and then, you know, Ed McBain and Robert Ludlum. And I read a ton of James Bond books. So there was, it was a, 
a very wide breadth of tastes I had as a kid and a lot of hours spent. And did you ever write? I wrote a ton. I never wrote, I wrote a lot of short stories. I, I would say that I wrote my way into college. I didn't have great grades, but I had a really, I was a really good writer as a high school student. This was something that teachers would tell me often is that I was I'll take, not I'll take their word for it. Yeah, I was not, there was a lot of like, you're not applying yourself and, uh, and you are, you're a good writer and you should, you should try harder. And so, but when the chips were down, I could, I could write my way out of trouble more often than not, which then came in very handy at a job like SNL, which is basically like, it's always, there's always a deadline and it's sort of a procrastinator's dream. <laughs> and so my whole life had been like working late because I put it off and at sort of SNL starts, the week starts and it's already too late. So I was, I was sort of ready for the moment. It's always great when you can find the exact right thing for your... I mean, that's it. You know, your work style and everything. That's amazing. You've interviewed like a bazillion people, obviously. What, What do you... Like, what is it about interviewing? What do you get excited about when somebody comes on the show? Like, tell me about that. How do you think about your interviews ahead of time? Like, what do you love? What's exciting? It's, you know, I think the the longer you do it, the more you realize there are a thousand different kinds of guests. And the great part about the repetition of interviewing them is trying to recognize as fast as possible in the body of the interview, what kind they are. Mm -hmm. Do they need, uh, do they need your help to sort of walk them along the way to their anecdote? Do they just want you to ask a question and get out of the way for their one person show? Do they want to basically do an improv scene with you where they don't have a plan. And so I think the thing I look forward to the most as far as interviews is not over planning it, not building too much of a blueprint for where I wanted to go and trying really hard to be in the moment. And ultimately, you know, having great appreciation for a talent department who only sits me down with people I'm interested to talk to. Like I, we try very hard to avoid people where the main thrust of my energy is politeness. You know, uh, like, <laughs> just be nice to them. So <laughs> I, I, it's better to respect them and then have the kindness come from that as opposed to, you know, I know you don't agree with this person or are interested mm-hmm. or respect what they do, but just be polite. So that we <laughs> that I never have to fall into, which is great. So what type of interviewee do you think you are? Like when I get interviewed, I think I match the energy of the interviewer. Does that Does that sound? I don't know. I think I try to, that's such a good question. And look at how you've thrown me. I feel like I'm pretty, I'm pretty fluid. I think I wait, I work way too hard when I'm giving answers to not fall into my worst verbal tics. I'm trying very hard not to say, um, and I'm trying very hard not to say the word like, which Mm. I overuse. Okay. So for those of you listening, do now, now I would like you to go back, (laughs) listen for ums and likes. And then give it a number, uh, minus two for every um, minus one for every like. Start at 100. <laughs> I'll send you a copy of the transcript and I'll circle any that come. Thank you. In red you know, this is hand. a true story. When I did my stand-up special, Lobby Baby, which was a year before which I will I now go, Lobby. I will yeah. now go and watch. Thank you very much. I it's in the tonight. first 15 minutes. Okay, All the okay, Lobby Baby okay. stuff is right off the top. <laughs> I know you're busy. You can even, I think you, you can even watch it at 1.5 speed on Netflix. I'll, even I'll give do you that. it. You I, I, zip, I, zip right through. <laughs> so, but I had someone do a transcript of, 
you know, I would do practice shows getting ready for the special. And so I'd do an hour and I would have someone do a transcription of it and I would go through it and circle the ums. And, and just that was the way to remind myself it was a problem. Like to physically, sorry, I visually see it. Yeah. And look and say, look at that. You got to clean that up. Interesting. You know, wow. That's pretty good. Well, I haven't noticed too many. So I feel like you're- Thank you. We have like a check plus, you know. Good. <laughs> there's someone right. There's a there's an um checker right off screen. Um <laughs> checker. Uh, it would be cool if there was some way to sort of enter, like as a word comes out, block it from like the, yes. you know. Yeah. Anyway, you know. I, want, I know. I know a lot of people are listening, and not everybody's watching. But I do want to comment on your bookshelves, which okay. I think are really nicely done. Thank you. They're far enough away that you can't. You're not distracted by the titles of the book, right? I think that's one of the things we learned in the pandemic era is if the books are too close to the person, you then start reading the backs of their books. But I also want to note, it looks to me as though you've color-coded your books. I have. Is that your choice? It was. Okay. It was. I had COVID last February and okay. I was in bed for nine days and my I was only like in this room and my bedroom and couldn't see anybody else and started going out of my mind. And I came in here once I finally wasn't dizzy anymore and whatever. And I took every book off the shelves. I put them all over the carpet. And over the next day or two or whatever, I started color coding. I put them in piles. And I was like, I started with one shelf. And I was like, well, that looks good. (laughs) And I just like kept going. And now like no one's allowed to touch these shelves. Like my son came in the other day. He's like, I need a yellow book for some projects. And I was like, don't touch it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is fascinating to me. I assume anyone who does that has always done that. But you came to this very, very late. It took COVID for you to get color coordinated. Well, I had like little stacks of color, but it wasn't it wasn't this. It wasn't like the whole thing. And I know it's controversial and some people are like, oh, you know, whatever. My books are My- alphabetized, but you know, I love it. And I I see books now by the spines, right? Like when I'm looking, I'm like, oh, I know that's green or whatever. So that's very impressive. My so my wife is very neat and I am I was a slob and I think I'm neater now, but I have not risen to a level of her neatness. But I like on my side of the bag, which I should note is against the wall. You have to walk around to my side to look at what's at the foot of my bed. You have to work. You have to work to see that. I really like how uh, four books on top of each other looks. I like it on the floor. I like it on a bedside table. I've even moved it to the floor out of respect for the fact that she doesn't like the mess of books. But I, for me... Like a good a good stack of four, not even a, a sort of messy stack where it looks like they're all kind of in the <laughs> process of being read is maybe my favorite presentation of book. Hmm. Yeah. Do they have to be the same, like all hardback or anything? Or I do prefer hardback. I would say that I prefer that. Yeah. Okay. Well, now you can. Her point is, I don't believe you're reading all four of these at any given time, and that's <laughs> a very fair point and true. I like to present that way. <laughs> I like to be in a bunch of different books at the same time. I think it's different moods, different, I don't know. It's do you like, read only fiction or do you read nonfiction too? No, I read nonfiction too. I love right. memoir. That's my favorite. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Do you read memoir? I don't read memoir. Oh, I love it. It's yeah. like you're sitting down with someone and hearing their story. You don't care about people's stories. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's like all you do. I mean, I read, I read one about me. <laughs> Does that work? I don't know memoirs enough. Could someone write a memoir about me? 
yeah. No, I, I mean, fiction is great. Fiction's great, too. Yeah. Anytime you can get lost and distracted in somebody else's story. It's That's a nice, true. nice escape from, from the craziness of my own life. So there you go. Good. <laughs> Do you have any advice for aspiring authors now that you're a published children's book author? Well, I mean, I'm certainly cognizant of the fact that it is a different kind of writing than writing a novel or even a short story. But in general, and I think this is the advice that I always give young writers, is you're not a writer until you write. And I think a lot of people think of themselves as writers because they have ideas that they want to get on paper. But it doesn't count until you do it. And the worst thing in the world would be you meet someone who could actually help you as a writer. And they say to you, I'd love to see, give me your favorite thing you've written and you haven't written it yet. (laughs) And that happens a lot of time, I should say. And and a lot of time when I give this advice is to young sketch writers. I always say, don't, if somebody says, oh, you want to be a sketch writer? Let me see some of your sketches. And your answer is, let me write them up. They know right then you're just a pretend writer. So, and I think it's really helpful to write it and just write out that first draft. Just get it on paper and you won't believe the things that you will, parts of your brain that will open up only because you're writing the words on the page. Sometimes you think, I don't have an idea. I don't have enough to start writing. But just that idea of getting words on a page unlocks a different part of your head. And I'm not saying it'll unlock the best part of your head for writing, but more words will come but you just have to start giving yourself that downward momentum, the gravity of writing, and more will come. Oh, I love that. The idea of <laughs> words falling out yeah. from gravity. Well, I always said, I don't know how you feel this way about writing, but this was, again, and so much of my advice is sketch writing advice because that's what I did forever. But sometimes writers would come to me at SNL and say, I have this idea, and I can't tell if it works. And I would always say, if you can't think of two jokes in the first half hour, it's probably not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Because I think great comedy writing, and maybe all writing, like it should feel like there should be some joy as it's coming out of you onto the page. And if it feels too uphill, you maybe want to reposition your skis and see if there's, there's a way where it can, where you can get the wind behind your back. Yeah. You might just want to go right to Afray Ski. Get yeah. some hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Put your feet a classic, up. Classic Hemingway move. Yeah. That's what he did. Afray Ski. Okay. Amazing. Seth, thank you so much for all of your time. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. And yeah, congratulations on everything. Thanks for the time. Thank you so much. It was lovely spending time with you. You too. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.